the only guy that you can halfway compare to him historically, like he reminds me of dot, dot, dot is Charles Barkley, but this is still a completely different thing than what Charles was doing. This isn't it. Right. And so I just remain blown away that people ever had any question about the fact that if this dude was healthy, it was going to be canceled Christmas. And it is canceled Christmas right before <laughs> our eyes just about every night. Welcome to another edition of the CJ McCollum Show. Across from me, as always, is the co-host, Izzy Gutierrez. We have a very, very special guest for a joint <laughs> podcast, the great Omani Jones. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, thanks again. Truly, no, truly man. appreciative. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. You know, it's, it's a special guest, and he's got an Emmy, Emmy directly behind him <laughs> in his right ear. <laughs> hey, Emmy, I, I did not win that Emmy. I simply no. got it. Okay. <laughs> it counts I got. better. It counts, and it's a great location, too. I feel like he definitely <laughs> looked at your screen and said, how do I get this Emmy off at all times? No, no, no. That it, it ain't there by no coincidence. This wasn't a setup until I had to have a home studio, at which point everybody started putting up every spell and beat trophy and everything else they'd ever had. And so I just put <laughs> Emmy over there. No, that's smart. As you can see, I've, I moved in uh, Labor Day, and I still haven't put my pictures up yet, so they're behind me um, on on the ground, as you can see, but I do have my famous Derek Jeter, you know, uh, picture. It's it's a jersey frame in which he signed his middle name. I talk about this a lot because I'm excited about it. <laughs> and then I have a cash cow back there somewhere that I just think is is really appropriate for the office because I love it. Now you just gotta call it a picture hanger. Like like there are people who do this professionally. You call it a picture hanger. They get that done in the afternoon. <laughs> Speaking true. of uh, leaving things behind you, CJ. Yeah. Um, What's going on with the Pels? You lost one against the Sixers, and uh, Zion got there. But what's the uh, Brandon Ingram's toes seems to be to be the biggest issue of the entire entire year? So what's the update? update? What's the latest? Yeah, I'd, I'd say the latest is that we were trending in the right direction in terms of health. Right, we were starting to get healthy. Um, I was out with COVID, then Herb was out with COVID, and Trey was out, Dyson was out. We had a lot of guys just kind of missing time, and then we were close to whole. Right, then Larry gets hurt. All right, so we lose Larry in the rotation. And then right when B.I. starts ramping up, I'm seeing him working out. So I'm thinking to myself, like, he's definitely getting close. Z gets hurt with the with the hamstring injury uh, in Philly. So I, I'd say we're a work in progress, man. It's that time of the year uh, where it's almost all-star break. Uh, the schedule's starting to settle in. You're starting to have five and seven. I think we went, we just finished a five and seven. We got another five and seven. We had a four and six. We got 16 games in 30 days this month. So it's beginning to get to that point where you got to take better care of your body and hope for the best. But this is when you need a deep team. And fortunately we've been able to win a lot of games this year without BI. We won a lot of games without Z and now I may be out without both of them. We may be without both of them for a little bit. So we got to continue to trust on our young guys and the development with our PD staff. Well, I'm not sure if you saw that game where uh, Zion went like full anime character and just exploded in the fourth quarter but uh, it seems like everybody wants to talk about Zion. What like what intrigues you most about him when you watch him play this year? That somehow people have forgotten how good he was in the first place. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's a dude that's always going to be big, right? So if you are a basketball player and you're big and you have a broken foot, you're probably going to get big while you're not playing basketball. And it was all the jokes last year. And somehow I feel like, people really miss the fact that 
year two, he was probably a top 15 player in the NBA. Like he actually delivered on the promise and in ways that I don't think that people necessarily expected. And now he is that dude, right? Like the only guy that you can halfway compare to him historically, like he reminds me of dot, dot, dot is Charles Barkley, but this is still a completely different thing than what Charles was doing. This isn't it. And so I just remain blown away that people ever had any question about the fact that if this dude was healthy, it was going to be canceled Christmas. And it is canceled Christmas right before (laughs) our eyes just about every night. Uh, CJ, take me through that fourth quarter. You guys, you needed it. You needed it from him um, against, uh, who was that? The T-Wolves? Sixers. Well, the Sixers, T-Wolves first and then the Sixers. You're actually right. right. Yeah, the the Super Saiyan Mo was, was T-Wolves, and then he did it again right. against the Sixers. So against the T-Wolves there, what was that like? That was crazy because, you know, in the moment, you're just hooping, right? You know, I'm calling plays. I'm looking at Willie. I'm like, all right, let's mix up the play calling. And then I look at Z, and he's like, <laughs> "Come on!" I'm like, "I'm like, what you want?" Normally, you know, I played with a lot of guys who you could have those types of conversations, right? Like I talked to Dame when we played together. All right, what you want here? Let's run X, Y, Z. Or what you thinking? Like what you seeing? So we're all kind of on the same page throughout the game. First quarter, you call the game a certain type of way. Second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, ball's got to be in one or two players' hands right now. My hands or his hands. And then when B.I. comes back, it's in one of our three's hands, and we make a decision on who shoots and who scores and kind of figure it out. But it was kind of to that point where he was like, he kept snapping his fingers, like, snap, like, come on, come on, let's run snap, which is basically he gets the ball, I run down, I pretend to set a screen, I get out of the way, the big kind of sets the screen, he gets out of the way, and he goes to work, and – we ran that for about 12 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about it, Bo, how dominant he was. I played against him a few times, but you don't really pay attention. You know, when you're playing against a team, you do the scatter report and move on to the next day, next phase, haven't played with him now and seen how he just shows up. He's just a gamer, man. Like he scored, I think 14 straight points. He gets the steal. He gets the dunk. Talk about him being a big guy shows the athleticism, the strength, the ability to finish, you know, between defenders, the dexterity to kind of go off the dribble. Talked about, you know, different types of defenders guarding him from Drew Holiday to centers to forwards. Dylan Brooks was guarding him in Memphis. He hits Dylan Brooks with a left to right crossover, goes to the lane. No one jumps. <laughs> you know, like, you, got, you got a player. So you, I just think his dominance was it's, it's wild to see. And I honestly didn't. He does it so much now that I didn't even know he scored 14 straight to finish the game. It was just like we was just flowing and just getting out of his way. Well, you know, one of the things that was interesting to me about him, like at Duke, remembering that when he came in there, R.J. Barrett was the number one guy in that recruiting class. And Zion was a bit of a curiosity because he didn't play on the circuit in the ways that other dudes had. And the thing that I noticed quickly about it with him at Duke was the moment that he realized, oh, I'm better than all of them here, too. Oh, okay. And then you realize, oh, he likes the taste of blood. Like there's some dudes who get out there and they enjoy being good at things. And there's some dudes that enjoy beating people. And I looked out there and was like, Oh, he seems to enjoy beating people. And so making that transition to that NBA point where it's like, nah, how about you just give me the ball? Huh? Why why, why, why don't you go ahead and do that? Cause he's a really nice dude, right? Like the really nice dudes don't necessarily have that part in them. No, he figured that one out. Like, how about you just give me the ball? So the one part about that game that bugged me was uh, D'Lo after the game saying that Zion is out there playing football and we're trying to play basketball. And while I will say it's got the officials flummoxed, like they have no idea what they're doing when they're calling Zion. 
Um, that's kind of a weak sauce comment, is it not? Like it, it, we, we were just in the memory of like Shaq in the shadow of Shaquille O'Neal, and you're saying that that Zion is playing the game. That's kind of weak. Uh, I think when you lose, there's a lot of emotions that goes into losing. Um, when you're frustrated, season's not going the way you would like. I think that kind of probably played a factor in his mindset. I would never say something like that personally. You know, you win, you lose. You feel like you didn't get the right calls. Then just say that. But to say he's playing football and we're playing basketball, I think it's he's just a physical dude. Right. And it's hard to it's hard to referee the way he plays because he's aggressive. He gets hit. He delivers blows too on the other end. And it's just a matter of what's marginal contact and what's not. And he doesn't flop. And that's the difference between him and a lot of guys, you know, I played against guys who get to the free throw line 10 times because they're trying to get to the free throw line 10 times. He's just trying to finish. He's trying to finish through you, around you sometimes. He's just trying to get to that hoop any means necessary. He don't know how to throw his head back. He don't know how to grab your arms. He don't know you how to do none of this You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it if he did. It's like, oh, no, that didn't affect you. Look at you. <laughs> right. No. So, so he's earning his fouls. And I'll just say this. When he gets fouled, like, he probably was fouled three times before they called it because he's so strong. Now you just see it on the back end. No, but what dude was saying, and I could understand this in the situation, what he was basically saying is, man, what are we supposed to do? We 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 got nothing for this. Like what 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 move are you supposed to make when the dude is stronger than everybody and quicker than just about everybody? Like the way I think I said about Zion is he is his own pick and roll. Like once he gets that shoulder by you just a little bit. What are you doing? There's no option that you have. What are you going to do? Move them off the spot? If you're capable of moving them off the spot, you're probably not quick enough to guard them. And so all of it really does come down to he's just that big, but they don't make big dudes that quick, right? Like, it's not that he's playing football. It's a football player out here playing basketball. Yeah. And I just don't like know what the hat. answer is for it. Because, like, you want to take it, like, if you're a defender, you're trying to take a, a hit in the chest, and you feel like you do. But it wasn't Zion's chest. It was like Zion's shoulder because he's just so <laughs> wide. So it's just like they're confused. And I mean, I think eventually they'll figure out a little bit that maybe just, you know, don't try to, to take a charge in front of him. But um, DJ, we talked before at the beginning of the season about early in the season on how all the scoring uh, was so high. And it was like seven or eight players scoring 30 plus. And we're all like, ah, relax. It'll all settle down. But wow. Like you forgot some scoring outbursts now. You had Dirk with the 60-20-10 triple-double. And did you um, call him you Dirk? Had, you did you call him Dirk? Dirk? I just said Dirk, didn't I? I just call called him Dirk. Dirk. Luca with the 62. <laughs> I had the, the, the statue in my mind. And you had uh, in Cleveland, uh, 71 from Donovan Mitchell. Like, sick. I don't even know which one to start with, but uh, let's go with, with Donovan Mitchell there. Like, when, when you hear that, when you see that, and the way he scored that, yeah, it was overtime, whatever. Um, what do you think? Like, I know the first thing you think of, I think of Kobe, and I just think of, wow, when I heard that he had 81, I was, like, shocked, bonkers, and, like, stopped everything I was doing. And 71 is still just, like, it shuts everything down. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. 
making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Uh, I was confused. I thought to myself, how the hell did he score that many points, right? Obviously, we're playing, you know, a game as it's happening. Our game ends, we get back on the plane, we're flying back. And guys, you know, just you checking scores, you, you checking, you know, your league pass, seeing what game is close so you can watch on a plane. That's what I normally do. And I, went, I immediately went to the highlights because I thought to myself, I'm out here getting trapped and I play with Zion and Brandon Ingram. So why is he not getting trapped? <laughs> you know, I mean, where are the where are the double coverages? Where are the denials? Like my first thought was, how did he do this? And why didn't they double or triple him? Because 70 is crazy. And that's just a credit to his ability to score. I always go to the free throws first, right? Like when a guy has a scoring outburst, like how many free throws did he shoot? He shoots 25 free throws. He's efficient. Didn't hit a lot of threes. Was finishing around the basket. Didn't take a lot of shots. And then the crazy part about this stat line is the 11 assists because normally you associate loud scoring outbursts like that with I'm not passing to anybody. I'm shooting every ball. And he managed to get 11 assists with eight rebounds, which is crazy. Like this should be talked about more to score 70, 71 points in a game. In which he misses five free throws, by the way. Like, no one's talking about that. He could have had 75 or 76 if he goes perfect from the line. But the efficiency in which he did it was impressive. And I think at this stage, I'm just numb to, like, everything. Like, you just expect crazy stuff to happen. Like, Luca's doing 60-point triple-doubles. And we're talking about it more now than we ever have before. But I do want to go on the record saying that James was doing stuff like this regularly not 70s but he was putting up 50 he'd have a week where he'd go 55 54 50 with triple doubles and, and we just didn't really even talk about it or discuss it yeah i mean we are in an inflated stats era right like 71 points to 71 points but we're seeing people put up these numbers at a rate that is so much higher than we'd seen relative to everybody else before it ain't just because everybody's better because the dudes that are guarding you in theory are better right like we we have a measure of juiced up numbers but hey if you putting up 71 and you getting 25 free throws i'm here for that right like i am here for the dudes that are like either you are going to stop either i'm going to score or you are going to foul me one way or another i'm getting this bucket and they needed them too like, I think that's part uh -huh. of what's interesting yeah. about seeing this with that Luka game and this one. This was an overtime game. That Luka game, they needed those buckets. That was an overtime game, too, right, with the mad comeback at the end of the fourth quarter. Yep, same way with the tip in the, at the uh, missed free throw. Purposely yeah. missed free throw and the tip in the tie, yeah. Yeah, like the two super Kobe games, the 81 and the one that I actually think is more impressive, the 62 and three quarters where the Mavericks only had 61. They were blowing their doors off in those games right. a lot of these big number games we're seeing these are actually competitive games i don't know what to make of that part and so this is uh it's even probably worse for billy donovan when you say not only did they not travel he had 55 after halftime so it's not like he was you know <laughs> on no didn't have 55 before halftime right and then so you have to trap him but they just played him the day before or the game they had a home and home and just it didn't have a very good game and he was like five for 16 or something and so it's almost like donovan caught him but caught them by surprise in that second half in the overtime and the overtime was mostly just pulled up three at that point he was just feeling it but yeah i, I still got that same feeling it was a little bit different than the devin booker one because late in the season and uh gabe didn't seem to mean much and seemed like it was all he was doing but the 11 assists uh, I think is a great point because I think one of the, the points that uh, 
was made after the game is like Donovan Mitchell could have come here and been like, hey, I'm free from Utah. Let me just go show out and whatever. And he just has shown this ability to not make like he's not bigger than the team, not bigger than the game. And yet he gets 11 assists with his 71 points. I think that says something about Donovan. I think he's probably better than even I thought he was going to be there. Oh, yeah. And by the way, can we say a shout out to DeMar DeRozan with his forgotten 44? Like if there was ever a night for you to have 44 points and nobody care, it was that one right there for him. Can you remind me, Bo, of your sort of like opinion arc of Luka Doncic and like as as his career has gone? Because I feel like I might be confusing it with another uh, opinion that people place on you. But what are your normal thoughts there as a, as his career has gone along on Luka? No, my thing with Luka had been not that like oh this guy isn't good. It's just you guys are getting out over your skis just a little bit about him right (laughs) like when he was younger he wasn't as good as i thought that people were saying now he is every bit as good as people said he was two years ago right like that that's where i've gotten on it my question about him and i don't know how much of this is about him about the organization or whatever but there's only but so much winning you're gonna do using 38 39 of the possessions right like that's that's the question that i've got because he needs help, and part of that, to be fair to him, is Mark Cuban's done a bad job of building teams for the last 10 years, right? So I don't know how much of that is him, but I'm saying if I'm coming out and I need somewhere to play, I don't know if I want to go play next to the dude that's going to have the ball all the time and do every single thing with the ball. But he's playing much better defense at this point, and it has become kind of more acute and observable how badly they need him to take all of these shots and to do all of these things. But he is a one-man show in a way that we rarely see in the NBA, and it's wild impressive. One-man shows just don't win that much, though. So there's a fair question to ask about where we go from here. But no, I am not a, I am not a Luca hater. I am not a Luca truther. I am not a Luca denier. I am a, y'all know what y'all was out here doing with this dude and why y'all was so damn excited about him. And I'm glad that he actually got good enough to match up with what they was out here doing. You use a skiing analogy. Do you actually ski or no? <laughs> That's why I was wondering why. Nah, let me one. let me let me tell you what is not for recreation. Cold weather. Uh, <laughs> uh CJ, you mentioned the James Harden thing, right? Because they said he'd been we've been doing this or we've seen this. So isn't that enough, at least recent proof that that's not really going to work in Dallas? Or is it different in your eyes? I think they're both outstanding players in their own right. However, in order to win a championship, this is coming from a guy who's never won a championship but has lost to the Warriors and watched them win championships. (laughs) So I know what it looks like. I don't know what it feels like. haven't, haven't experienced it, but I have watched a championship caliber team. You need depth, you need role players, and you need more than one star player. And by star player, I mean, like, you got your planet, right? Steph Curry, let's call him a planet. I like I like to use that analogy. You got your planet, and you need stars around that planet that align right in terms of the Clay Thompsons of the world. You need a star in a role in Draymond who does different things, and then you need that, like, miscellaneous star who might pop off right like one at one once upon a time it was harrison barnes another time it was andre iguodala so you need a collection of players who fit certain types of roles but are capable of winning one game here or there and then you get to the playoffs and you need a role player to win you a game a loony right you need a loony on your team that can win you a game by offensive rebounding setting great screens doing the things the lucas and james aren't going to do 
I'm not saying that they have that. I'm not saying that they don't have that, but you can look at their roster and tell if a guy has to have a 38 or 39 usage rate, that tells you what's surrounding him. Well, I guess that's the both point. Can you, can you still be a number two that you need to be next to him? And because it doesn't seem like he's going to be as effective off the ball. So I feel like James has been kind of that example the last couple of years. But I will say this in fairness to jump in right fast. Lucas gotten better off the ball this year than he had been previously. Because that's the real holdup with James Harden to me is if James Harden ain't got the ball at the top of the key, ain't really nothing for him to do out here otherwise, other than make sure y'all don't get called for a technical foul. You know what I mean? Like like mm-hmm. Lucas has gotten better at that part. And that's what you gotta be able to do. I think you need certain types of skills around him. You need catch and shoot guys. And I think that was one of the issues with James when he first left and he was playing with Kay and Kai is that he was used to having a ball in his hands and he wasn't used to playing off the ball, catch and shoot opportunities, cutting, doing that, the little stuff that like the Clay Thompson of the world do stuff that I had to do like guys who are good with the ball, but also able to move without it. He wasn't, I don't know if he was ever put in a position to do that. So then it was uncomfortable 10 years later to be asked to do something you haven't done, you know, for most of your career. For Luca, I think he's starting to learn playing alongside Spencer. Spencer can handle the ball. He can score. He can run, pick and roll. And now you got the likes of Christian Wood. You got some of these pieces who can score and kind of like do things on their own. So he's getting more comfortable with exploring, not having the ball. But I guess to answer your question, we've never seen it happen, which leads me to believe that it's hard to do and probably not realistic. Um, there's never been a a team with a guy usage that high win a championship, right or wrong. It's never happened, right? Uh, I'm I don't think we've think. ever seen it before, like until yeah. this recent era. Yeah, like because Giannis had crazy high usage numbers in the regular season. I'm not quite sure how it went in the postseason. You know what I mean? But like, they're, it's different. They're, yeah, it's different. Like, and it's also different. It's different when you have that level of usage from a dude who is getting those buckets so close to the basket. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so like the thing for me this year with Luca that's different is that and this was a a thing that frustrated me and people's analysis of him before is that he's one of those dudes that seemed like a better shooter than he actually was like like when you actually looked at how many shots he was making it wasn't quite what it was this year he's been cold as hell from deep like if he's making threes at that rate then it's really 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 tough to do but the question you always gonna have once you get to the playoffs and you game plan for these people game after game after game in a row you can't just have one dude out there. Like, they're going to come up with something to do with that. Like, we saw that that year that looked like Milwaukee was walking to the championship, and then Nick Nurse, who I didn't think could, uh, like, fight his ass from his elbows as a coach, all of a sudden turned into a genius after game two of the Eastern Conference Finals that year. Toronto went to the championship because they were like, okay, so we're just going to put a wall around this dude when he gets in the lane and see what happens. And it shut him down. Yeah, and I think to to follow up with that, Giannis – differences in his game style of play but also the fact that chris middleton is the closer so that's the difference mm-hmm. right Giannis will have high usage the entire game but when they right. need a shot down the stretch of the game they're going to drew holiday or middleton right like they're Giannis might take the ball out and they'll draw up a play for middleton to hit the shot because that's kind of what he does like he's the scorer down the stretch drew holiday is the scorer down the stretch of games obviously Giannis scores throughout the entire game but i think the difference in dallas is that Luca's taking that shot down the stretch of the game. Like we all know that Spencer's hit some game winners in the regular season, but how comfortable are they with doing that in the playoffs and beyond? Is I guess something that we'll see. It's almost like you don't have to really or shouldn't really scheme against them that hard in the regular season because just in case when you uh, face them in the playoffs, you can hit them with the doubles and it'll be a little bit of a surprise. But I feel like Luca's the type of player who figures everything out so quickly 
that maybe he can break that curse. He can be the guy. Not say that James couldn't, right? But if they threw something entirely different at him, um, I think it felt like, hey, you just got to turn around and run a four and three. Uh, and just I'll just stand here and take the double team. Uh, yeah, I feel like with Luca, he's not going to settle for that. Yeah, he might not settle for it, but we asking for a lot. So I keep saying, man, he ain't the best player that we have ever seen, right? Like he is not at a point where I feel like we've like nobody's ever done this before, but Luca can. That's where I feel like, <laughs> like, 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 like we get into a measure of overreaction. Cause look, they got to the conference finals last year and that was really impressive. And it didn't hurt that the Phoenix Suns were about the business of beating themselves by the time they, they got to the end of that series. Like they were not a legitimate championship threat. They're not a legitimate championship threat this year. No. Like looking at the roster. And that's why I'm like, the question isn't, can he do it? The question is, what is Mark Cuban going to do something about this? Like, you, they have had for the last 25 years superstar level dudes that they have committed measures of malpractice when it comes to surrounding them. Like when you go back and look at what Dirk was in the mid aughts up into that championship run, and you can remember them making the you know making the finals and all of that stuff. But you really go back and look at those rosters, man. Dirk did a lot of heavy lifting in a way that I don't think we gave him enough credit for at the time. And now they're doing the same thing again with Luca. And I just, I mean, at some point, somebody's going to have to look up and be like, look, I understand you own the team, but this has got to turn around. Are there reasons that franchise is unattractive? So. I can't think of any. Like, people have fun in Dallas. You ain't got to pay no state income tax. Um, I don't, I, the only thing that I would think makes that unattractive would be who's in charge. And I don't have any like direct evidence of that, but right. why can't every remember every year they go into that? We got cap room. We're going to get somebody and then they never get anybody or they get somebody. <laughs> and then dirt would be giving them back money, which I'll be damned just to be out there still losing. You know, how mad I'd be if I took a pay cut to still be like 47 wins. <laughs> Almost. Good I mean, enough. probably this bad uh, for the record. Shaq had a 30.4% use to Drake. Uh, in the NBA Finals for his career, thirty NBA Finals games probably would have had more. He's, but he yeah, he would, he would have had more if he didn't play with Kobe. Uh, <laughs> Kobe. Kobe's like, don't you worry, Shaq. I'll keep that usage rate down for you. But see, that's the difference, uh, right? Like you talked about it. A high usage rate for guards is one thing. Shot credibility, having to make tough shots in the playoffs, going against double teams. That three pointer is is very important to you and your success. And when you're seven foot and you can dunk everything, you should have a 30 usage rate because you're dunking everything. Speaking of uh, teams that nobody's taking seriously, um, the Nets have won 12 games in a row as we <laughs> record this podcast. And, and 16 of 17, the only loss coming to the Celtics. <clears throat> so wow. I think Bo probably phrased this the best before we started. Uh, what's it going to take for us to take the Nets seriously? <laughs> Honestly, it's blasphemy that this isn't being talked about more because they were in the press a lot yep. when, th when things weren't going well. And that kind of shows you how this world works, right? This is like, why y'all hate us. This is... <laughs> I don't hate you guys because at times I am one of you guys. Yeah. Therefore, I would hate us for this. <laughs> I think it's unfair that whenever I turn the TV on, I don't turn the TV on much anymore. They were bashing the Nets, the organization, how it was being ran, what was happening behind the scenes. They were bashing KD. Obviously, the Kyrie situation, they were bashing him. Now, it's so quiet. You could hear 
a mouse tiptoe around your house. Like you, you don't hear anything about the Nets. They're not talking about how KD should be an MVP conversation. They're not talking about how they're one win out of first place in the East. All I see on TV is how good the Boston Celtics are doing and how bad the Lakers are doing. Yo, I thought the Nets needed to wave Kyrie and burn the whole thing down. Cause I yep. still do. I still do think it's a flawed roster. And I think that in the postseason, there's, I, I don't think they're going to end up being as good as Boston, as good as Milwaukee. Right. But I definitely didn't think they could come out of here win 16 out of 17 in part. Cause I did not think that Kyrie would be as quiet as he has been, right? Like when I said that, I thought that he was willing to burn with this whole thing. Yahweh told him to be quiet and everything has been on a roll ever since. I did not think that this was possible. And so you would think, and this is what I think is telling about the ways that like people have dealt with that team since they got all these guys together. We're not riding the roller coaster with them. Like if you remember... The most tumultuous of the Shaq Kobe years was 03-04, right? Like Kobe coming off of the case, Carl Malone, Gary Payton there, and that team had ups and downs. When they went down, we were all over it. But when they went up, we were also all over it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We ain't done nothing with the up on this. They did the mm-hmm. up, and we're like, who football, right? We, I mean, we broke yeah. away from football season to try to get Kyrie up out the paint and everything. That yeah. we did. So it's not even that excuse anymore. We've just decided that that team only rates if they are creating controversy. Like this would terrify me if I was running the league. Cause if these guys can win 16 out of 17 and that's not a lead story, what in the world has happened to the way that the, I don't want to say casual fan, but the non diehard NBA fan is consuming this because that's really impressive what they're doing. It's, that's, I mean, I have a couple of theories as to why, and other than I'm not really taking blame off of whatever we want to call it, the media or whatever for their coverage, but um, one of the things is they don't want to sort of praise Kyrie too soon, I think, is probably part of the reason. Um, whether that's fair or not, I think that's part of the reason. I also think that just with this team, we've seen inconsistency. We've seen them really high. And when they first got together, we rode those highs with them. We were like, hey, look at these guys. They might be able to win it all without defense. And then, you know, it crashed, and now we're seeing the offseason, and now, hey, they're sort of teasing us. And this is a crazy, just a tease, which is a, this win streak that they've got going with this possibilities when, you know, you said it. I think it's a flawed roster, too. I think Nick Claxton had made huge leaps defensively. Um, and among the things that the Nets have done that's crazy impressive, uh, Ben Simmons, no jokes. Like, I don't hear any Ben Simmons stuff. He's been playing and playing, you know, decent games, and I don't hear anything about Ben Simmons. Uh, on social anymore, and so yeah, I think the re- I think those reasons are probably why, and I think it's I think you know by the time this airs a couple of days from now, you're probably going to have the Nets on the top of all your rundowns because people are going to look and say, "Damn, they've been playing great!" Like Kyrie, eleven of fourteen against uh, against the Spurs, while KD was ten of fourteen. It's absolutely ridiculous how well dogs. they've been playing. Yeah, he's <laughs> like six one. Like Nate Robinson. He's very at peace right now. And I I think the cool part about this whole situation is that a lot was made about what happened in the beginning of the year. And a lot was made about his character, what he's like, how he is in the locker room, how he affects those things. And since that moment, you've talked about it. There is no one has talked badly about him, but no one has talked about how well he's playing. Like this guy is averaging and I'm going to read this 26, five and four on 49. 37 90 he's shooting the ball extremely well and we know kai loves to shoot tough twos the analytically 
the shot everybody hates in the analytic world. He shoots and makes tough twos. KD is killing. And no one is talking about how Jacques Vaughn has single-handedly helped turn this, you know, I'm going to use the term dumpster fire. It was the dumpster fire. He's he's turned this what? dumpster fire into lean, mean cuisine. Even KD was telling people on Twitter, like the Nets have you going crazy when a guy was predicting a championship. And yet here they are probably a couple of weeks away from everybody maybe saying, hey, predicting a championship there. Dude. This is – I'm actually curious about this from the Durant standpoint of – so, like, do you still think the roster's not good enough? That's funny. <laughs> no, no, sincerely. Like, because I wonder if he thought where they are now was possible because I didn't think that where they are now was possible, and they probably need something else to go along with this. And so, like, I'd be very curious to know what his assessment – not of how they played – but of the team itself, because I do think the players are able to recognize when they got more wins than they actually have team. You know what I mean? That was the low point for them, right? When KD essentially said, look who I'm playing with, what do you expect? And then all of a sudden they go on this run. Yeah, he was right, though. His point on that, I thought he got a bad rap. He's like, look, let's be honest on this. When I'm out here with Ed Sumner and whoever the other dude is, who you think supposed to get the buckets? Okay, me. And let me tell you something. Ed Sumner absolutely feels like that. You know how scared I'd be if I was Ed Sumner? And then they came out of the huddle. They're like, all right, KD, you the decoy. Ed, it's your time, baby. No, it's not. It's 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 his, it's his time. I ain't going to stay in the league like this. I think he it was, it was quoted wrong, but what he said made perfect sense. And I think that you're right about – Early wins can be fool's gold to teams, staff, organizations, and media around these markets, right? You go on a win streak, you're the best thing in the world. We go on a seven-game win streak, everyone's talking about how the Pelicans are bona fide champions. We we have a chance to win a championship. We lose four games in a row. What is wrong with the Pelicans? Are things wrong? Do they need a new this or a new that, or should they get rid of this? So it's a, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, but I think these wins, as you said before, they're playing well. Things are going well. They're defending at a high level. Guys are playing super efficient basketball. But in order to win a championship, you have to be able to sustain a certain level of play and avoid certain matchups. And we haven't talked about that in the playoffs. Like, things are going well. They haven't lost since they played Boston. Who are they going to play in the playoffs? Boston or Milwaukee, most likely in the first or second round, depending on seeding. If one of them is a four seed, they're going to run to them early. Not to mention they got a guy who's averaging 33 points a game in Philly who can't wait to get his hands on uh, the centers on some of these teams that he's Oh, seen. man, let me tell you. They don't, there's not a single person in the borough of Brooklyn with any hope of doing anything with Joel Embiid. Not a single one. Like Nick Claxton. My, man, my brother talks about this all the time. This big man, but this tall man. He is tall man. He's a tall <laughs> person who does things close to the basket, but he is not a big man. Like after I had my growth spurt, I'd be going out there playing basketball. Now I'm in the like six, three and a half range in that zone. And it would be nothing worse. They picking teams. And then it gets to the end and somebody's like, all right, big man. Serious, you expect me, yeah, because now you expect me to guard that big person just because I am tall. I cannot, and that's Nick Claxton at the prospect of guarding Joel Embiid. I just want to add one thing here. I actually made this um point 
You guys said they're not losing anytime soon. They come to New Orleans this week. Just want to put that on your radar. I just want to say, damn it, I didn't look yeah. far enough in the schedule. I really only looked at one more Bulls game. <laughs> <laughs> just want to throw that. Just a positive affirmation. Well, that's gonna be sprinkle that's gonna that in be a there. Great game. Game sold out, um, as as you can imagine. What was um? You hit eleven threes. Is that a home game? Yeah, home game against the big man who most people fear, Joel Embiid. And, and what was uh, oh, I love it. you said against the big man that most people fear like they weren't three pointers like Joel Embiid was running out from the paint every single one of them. Yeah, no, I made the threes because he was in the paint. <laughs> I'm not going in there with that tree. They talked about it. There's big man. There's small man. And uh, to the rest of the world, I'm, I'm good height, good size. You know what I'm saying? But in these basketball games, I'm not really going to paint very often unless I have to. Man, I saw Embiid. I went to a playoff game in Brooklyn. Uh, and they were playing the Sixers. I guess this is, I can't remember what year, 18, 19, one of the two. It must have been 18. And Embiid missed game three because he was sick. And then Simmons went out there and killed it. And then suddenly Joel felt a whole lot better. Um, he was still clearly not feeling well. But he was like a vortex in the paint. Like, even with not being able to get anything buckets, you know, he puts all weight fast when he can't, you know, when he can't be active. All right. It was terrifying, like, what it meant when he was out there. Guys, you're not scoring anywhere near here. Nobody's coming anywhere close to here, but he is out there. It is amazing to watch. He's been great. I thought early on that he was, uh, at least for a second there with, with James, that he was sort of backing off a little bit and just being like, maybe I'm not going to go for this MVP. I'm just going to try to fit into this offense. And then he just started having his scoring outburst. And I just think they found some sort of a comfort level, maybe with him, with James out a little bit, and with James back. I still don't know. Like, I don't even know why, first of all, that story with James leaked about him possibly going to Houston next year again doesn't really make any sense to me because they haven't really tapped out the, the, their full potential there. But I don't know, if, if Bo, if you think that's higher than it was last year, the Sixers, because I, I feel like it's pretty much the same. That's the thing. I feel like nothing's been different the whole run that they've been there. They've right. been pretty good. Even that year they had the best record in the East. They've been pretty good uh, the whole time. The thing, the mistake I felt like they made early in the season was you can't build your offense around your second best player. You can't do that. Like, and, you know, exactly how much responsibility you put on Maxi, you know, just because of a size question is fair to ask. But you can't. James Harden is going to be at the top of the key doing his thing. And obviously, Embiid looked bored and like, wait a minute, this is my team, right? Like, he nicknamed himself the whole damn process, right? This is whole, <laughs> this, like, like it went from trust the process about being something total to being about Joel Embiid. And I'm watching James Harden at the top of the key, right? You got to go through him the whole way. And anybody that can't figure that out can't play for that team. Like, that would be the way that I would run things there. So that's probably why the story came out. <laughs> Haven't played against him. <laughs> They changing how they running things because he had 40-40, a 40 yep. for 40. <laughs> no, no, no. Doc, let me tell you, Doc looked up. It was like, am I about to lose my job trying to satisfy James Harden? Mm -mm. James shot eight uh, times in the first game we played against him. Oh, wow. Wow. Yep. I mean, that seems to be somebody who's figured that part out, that he's not going to be the guy there. I was looking at these um, moving conferences real quick. The last two – Western Conference finalists and sort of the the odd years that they're having. Phoenix is in an odd spot now with Devin's injury and Chris Paul in and out and, you know, the team for sale and, like, what are they going to do around trade deadline? 
And then you've got the Warriors who, I mean, talk about a team that looked down and out not too long ago, like all of a sudden on this rise, on this ride again. And Clay Thompson looks like he wasn't injured. Um, I don't know which one of those is more interesting to you, but I feel like the, the Warriors stuff, I feel like if Steph comes back, they could continue to, or become, you know, that team again, the Suns, I feel like they're, they're kind of in a rut right now. Like I'm not sure where they go and they might've just sort of seen the ceiling from that backcourt already. Their window closed. Yeah, window closed. Their window closed last year. They had a real short window because of Chris's age, right? Like, if you are going to have Chris Paul out there and he is the thing that makes you a legitimate title contender, it's going to be dependent on how long he can play at that level. And I just don't know if physically he can get there. And you look at some of his numbers, like where the numbers fall are in those ways that were you, like free throw shooting. Like that to me is the sign when you start looking at it being like, oh, this ain't going like it used to. That's like the putter for a golfer. Like that's that's where it starts to go. It's like, I think they're done. The Warriors, man, I ain't got no idea what to make of the Warriors. And part of why I don't know what to make of the Warriors is they're so bad on the road. But for some reason this year, everybody's bad on the road. Like very few teams, like I'm looking at it right now in the West. Every team in the West is 500 or worse on the road. Only two teams are at 500 on the road. And the Warriors are 3-16 and on the road and 17-2 and at home, which is not what you expect from a team with a championship pedigree. Like, I just don't have any understanding why it is that everybody in the league is so bad this year on the road. There's three teams with winning road records in the entire league. It's Boston, Brooklyn, and the Knicks. So if you live in the Northeast, you really like to get away, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of, of the Warriors either. And I feel like it's one of those things where, and this is what CJ or both of you guys were, were mentioning, is like we don't really talk about the games enough in the NBA. We want to see the drama. We want to see the transaction. We don't talk about the actual games. And like everybody just kind of wrote it off Clay Thompson and said he was done after a little bit. And now, and like the thing I love about Clay is he was – very obviously hurt by all the write-offs and then is doing this and like i don't know what you guys thought about him talking trash to the memphis grizzlies but that was one of the more disrespectful gifs i think in nba history i mean he called them friggin' bums after winning a championship like he was thinking about them after winning the freaking I mean, bums freaking bums he was so sincere um i mean i thought he was done and i'm not convinced that he isn't done like i think he can still like rise to super high levels at times but i mean it's just hard to imagine somebody could have those two catastrophic injuries and then come back to like a reasonable facsimile of what they were before like that's not about him or an insult necessarily but i did definitely think that it was about over for him, but he's picked it up lately. That's why I have no idea what to do with them as a team. They, they've done so many things that I just don't think you do in trying to build a team. Like, I don't think you can build for now and build for later at the same time. They did that and won a championship. They got too many dudes in the rotation. Like, you need to trade some of these young guys. You think if you're going to win right now? No, they're not going to do that. They're going to keep all these dudes. And then I'm going to look up and they're going to be in the Western Conference Finals, maybe. Like, I I never know what to do with them, right? I, I was a long skeptic of them early in this. And then I just had to, you know, I was like, okay, I don't like teams that shoot all these threes all the time. But these boys go hard and they play real defense <laughs> and they have that heart of a champion stuff that everybody talks about. But right now they're 20 and 18, but that's without Steph for this whole stretch. I, I don't, I'm just never going to guess what's going to happen to them ever again. I'm out on it. 
I will say ESPN predicted them to be under 500. So there's still some time left for that to occur <laughs> or for them to flip the switch and go on a crazy run and lose to the Pelicans in the conference finals. <laughs> what, do you, what do I know? I got to say, I though, Jordan I'm excited about you guys. Like, I'm not just okay. saying this because I'm on this year podcast, but I want nothing more than that team to do exceptionally well. Like, I want something to happen to force all of us as observers of the league to move on from the previous decade and realize that the future is now. You look at the Western Copper standards, man, it all screams out the future is now. Like, it's right here. Denver, Memphis, New Orleans, Dallas, Sac- Sacramento, and the Clippers. Like, like, it's now, man. And I want all the now teams to get it done, especially the ones that's in the country. You know what I'm saying? We, we country boys deserve something to be proud of. Well, CJ, tell me about that game against the Grizzlies, though, because that's that's going to be a thing. Dwight Jaw versus Zion the whole time. You know, Jaw doesn't hold back from from talking. So, was there some of that? Did you get some of that feel? Like, man, these two are going to be going at it for a while. Oh, it's friendly competition, right? Like they play on the same AU team, both from South Carolina. Not a lot of players in the NBA from South Carolina, right? Especially from where they come from. So, I think there's mutual admiration and respect for how they both got to where they are because they both had to work extremely hard. Weren't highly recruited early. Obviously, they began to get recruited late. Ja never ends up getting highly recruited. It has to kind of play that small market, you know, mid-major role. Goes to Memphis, Z, goes to Duke, then he goes to New Orleans, has injuries and his setbacks. So, I think they both have a lot of respect for each other, but, you know, they're both competitors, you know, and, and want to win. And just to be honest, they whooped us, right? You know, coming off of a back-to-back, no excuses, we came in. I think I got my bags delivered at 3.30 a.m. And, and at that moment, I knew this game was going to be tough for me. And tough it was. <laughs> at 3.30 in the morning, you saw your bags. I thought, like, like damn, damn I got to really play a game tomorrow. Like, this is going to be interesting. And sure enough, 4 for 16, Z struggle from the field. Lots of turnovers. It was just a sloppy game. and. The way they play is obviously a fun brand of basketball. They define, they get out and run. Ja is electric. They got shooters. Bain is playing well. Dylan Brooks is doing a little bit of everything, defending. Adams is going to get 13, 15 offensive rebounds. Like they play a style of play that is built for Memphis, right? Like it's it's gritty, it's grimy. They're going to talk trash. They're going to dance. They're going to come out with the boom boxes. It's like, it's the type of, like, as a hooper, like, I love it. Like, it's fun for me. And, just like Desmond Bain's arms, they're always flexing. The Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> they're always flexing. Alligator arms, like super muscular. I've never seen a guy that muscular be able to shoot the basketball. Like that's that's yeah. impressive. Like usually guys that are like buff, like built like football players, can't shoot because you can't extend the arm. But uh, I, I think it was it's obviously we want to beat them, right? Like first and foremost, we know that's a team that's going to be around for a while. I think Clay's talked about it. They're young, they're talented. Uh, they're not going to have to spend any more money for a little bit, right? Like I think. They'll have to pay Bain at some point, but they've already paid Ja. They've already paid Jaron Jackson, who's blocking everything, but also fouls a lot. Um, they, they're they built well, and they've drafted well. They got one of the best backup point guards in the NBA, if not the best backup point guard in the NBA. So that's a well-constructed team that's well-coached, and you know you're going to have to see them for a while. You know, you pointed something out, though, with Jaron Jackson. He does foul a lot. They got two hack masters on that team. Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks just fouled somebody right now. It's 6.40 p.m. I don't think the game started. Dylan Brooks just, just hacked somebody on the wrist as we spoke. They they get, they get like, yo, I got six. I'm going to use them all. Oh, they use them. They use them, and sometimes it's called, and sometimes it's not. <laughs> I don't understand. I watched the warm-up on Christmas. First of all, I didn't understand how they played on Christmas. That was mind-blowing. But I watched Stephen Adams like, hit a bunch of threes in warm-up, 
and can't have a free throw to save his life. Like that, I will never understand that. I will never understand that. No hey, man, pressure. I can't imagine shooting a shot in front of 15,000 people, not even from half court to try to win a car. I can't imagine how nervous <laughs> I'd be out there doing that. Like, that's the, that's the thing about a lot of these cats, man. Like, you know, if we're being honest, Anthony Davis got to shoot a bunch of empty gym jumpers in that bubble, and we never saw him shoot like that ever again. Even when he came back in this dominant stretch, he wasn't shooting like that again, man. It's just the margins are so thin that that difference matters. And so, yeah, you see, like, Dwight Howard over there in Taiwan firing it up from deep. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I did also watch Giannis uh, beat Grayson Allen in a free-throw shooting contest after practice in which, I mean, it's one of those where you miss, you're out, and he literally just did not miss. Uh, for the, the latest one out of practice, the two of them being, I'm just like, how? Because some people, because you're not about to lose to some people. That's how. No matter uh, what, if he had to stay in there all night Allen long and not losing no Grayson Allen, I'd have made all them shots <laughs> not to lose to Grayson Allen, and I'd have kicked him when I walked out. And and you got to remember, Giannis is a different. He might shoot sixty percent from the free throw line, but when it's game seven, <laughs> them free throws is going. Do you see what he did when he had to win that finals? That game like, six was incredible. I he was hit threes. He was hitting Hezzy KD type threes, and then he went perfect from the line and dropped a fifty burger. And went order Chick Fil A. So I think it's the mental makeup. You talked about it. The mental makeup of the want to, but also like the clutch gene is not for everybody. And you guys have been covering sports long enough to realize that there's some great shooters in the regular season. <laughs> and then the playoff starts, and yeah. there's only a few good shooters. And then you move on to the next round, and then there's not many good shooters out there. And then the, the guys you thought were good shooters aren't good shooters. When the my game man, matters, like my it, man it Howard makes the point: playoffs at fifteen foot is eighteen footer. Yep. Like it is not the same shot that it was. There's no real explaining what that is. And a dude like Giannis, I think Kenny Smith was the first person I saw point this out, but it really stuck with me. And he was like, "The thing about Giannis is he wasn't afraid of being embarrassed. Like he's not avoiding those free throws unless it's like a legitimate. Oh, it's like two minutes left, and the margins are too thin for you know to do this." He go out there and do his little breathing thing and everybody's mocking him and everything else. And he's going to go out there and take them free throws, right? He's not scared of it, even if he knows he's not that good at it. And then he locked in in that game. Like every night, I am fascinated by those days when somebody just decides, boys, we're not losing today. Y'all got me and we about to win. I wish I was able to do that. You just imagine just being able to walk into an NBA gym and just be like, all right, fellas, jump on my back. Don't you worry. It'll all be okay. I know. I Like the people, that, the guys who do that at the playground, so sometimes they get mad if they don't pass the ball. But like that, I'm just envious. I'm like, you just take over and everybody's here like trying to stop you and nobody can stop you. But a little crazy. <laughs> uh, Bo, I don't know if there's anything. Uh, I mean, CJ and I tend to complain about the officials a lot. Uh, is there anything else uh, in the league this year that uh, has you interested before uh, we step out of here? I don't know if I got another like league thing. I think we kind of went through like about all the league. I am, by the way, fascinated by how the Atlanta Hawks had two good months and have been the Atlanta Hawks every time around that. And they talk about Trey, Trey Young got named McMillan wanting to retire. Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't understand that there can almost never be sustained success in that organization. It's I mean, Atlanta. It's Atlanta. It's not simply about the organization. Outside of the Braves at various points, that city, for whatever reason, just is not conducive to winning. But, hey, man, they made a decision to give a lot of power to a little bitty guard 
who shoots a lot of really far threes and doesn't make as many of them as you think, but is also a dude that when it comes down to it and you need a bucket, he's one of those guys that can go do it. And I don't know what you're supposed to do at that point with them. Like, it looked so promising two years ago. And now it is looking like the Hawks. Like, John Collins, man, I'd hate to be that dude. Why would you hate to be John Collins? I'd hate to be John Collins because you're not going to make me think John Collins can't be better than what this is right now. And it's just perpetually in a, you know, they should probably trade him. He kind of wants to be traded, but he ain't going nowhere. He's just like, they're mediocre. He's not going anywhere. And you're not going to make me believe that he just got worse than he was two years ago. I very much feel bad for John Collins. That's why I asked you because it's they like I think he's one of the. I mean, I like enjoy talking to him very much. I think after he got that deal a couple of years ago, he thought he was going to be more leadership role and take over. You know, more like a a one A type one B type of guy. And it's just like nope, he's just kind of there, and it's, we're not really seeing him flourish really. All right. So apparently, what Bo wanted to do yeah, is take out that on the way out. Just we'll, 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 like Anthony Davis we'll, 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 a little bit we'll, ago. We'll ascribe <laughs> that to CJ not wanting to be critical of another little guard in the name of solidarity. <laughs> you know, scratch my head, man. Yeah, I, I, I know, man. Hawks, that's why. That's why Hawks can turn things around, man. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm doing the work for. You know what? I give you an easy segue out of this. Gang Theory, HBO, HBO <laughs> Max, season two, January twentieth. Come join the Partex. January 20th, HBO, that's dope. Um, so how has that been going, Bo? I mean, it's been like dream come true type of stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, dream job's been fantastic. Um, it's one of those situations where in my career, I kind of got some like understanding and parallels to like watching athletes in like growth, growth positions. And sometimes it's your time when you're like, yo, I probably need to have my own team right like i need to be the guy somewhere and i didn't realize before that i was in that place and then i got started doing this and i was like oh no no this is this is this is where i'm supposed to be right now not even from an ego standpoint but just from like where my work has gotten so no man it's been fantastic uh to be able to do this man they sent a call to take me to work every day you know what i'm saying like i'm loving it man i'm I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out well more people need to hear what you have to say and how you explain things uh, seemingly so intricately, but so simply at the same time. Like it's just, uh, you're, you're really obviously don't need to hear from, from me, but great at this. So uh, keep it up, man. And every time I get that text that you tell me that, Hey, by the way, Walker Kessler is actually a really good college player. I'm like, <laughs> damn it. Do you know everything? <laughs> I, I only knew that because when Her- Hubert Davis took the Carolina job, Walker Kessler, said he wanted to transfer hubert's like no you don't quit you don't leave and i was like huh, let me look this dude up and then i looked him up and it was like oh he's absolutely a roy williams guy a skinny seven foot white dude yeah. i was like yeah oh yeah 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 you're but that means you can run i i, I like that's that was why i knew who he was i just wanted yeah. to help you out no thank you i appreciate it <laughs> all right no, this has been great. This has been awesome. I appreciate you spending the time, Bo. And as always, Izzy, great conversation. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. I hope uh, New Orleans continues to win. I think the news just came out. Zion's expected to miss multiple weeks, as Woj quoted. So um, hopefully Big Fella gets back sooner than later and healthy. And hopefully B.I. returns sooner than later with that toe so we can get some more wins.